Hey, what's going on, everybody? I am your host, Armand Lee, and thank you so much for listening to The Quarterly Report. We've got another really fun show for you this week. We're bringing back Sports Wankster, but with a twist. We're going to have two contestants this week, one from the sporting world and one from the entertainment arena. Trust me, you're not going to want to miss it. Plus, Vasily Lomachenko showcased his skills to the world this past Saturday, but watching the fight had me jealous of the ufc i will explain but before i get into the four quarters make sure you interact with me for the show follow me on a wide variety of platforms on twitter you can follow the show at quarterly q u a r t e r l e e show you can also follow the show's website we got our own web page it's the quarterly report dot lipson dot com again the quarterly spelled q u a r t e r l e e dot lipson l i b s y n dot com of course we're on itunes all you got to do is search for the show quarterly report you see the icon click it subscribe rate and review and now again i'm trying to make this as convenient and as easy for all of you listeners out there because the show's growing and i really appreciate you Email us. We're at thequarterlyreport at gmail.com. Again, email us your questions, your suggestions, topics, the whole nine at thequarterlyreport at gmail.com. All right, enough with all that. Let's get into the show. We're going to start things off strong with the biggest sports topic really for the last year, but definitely this entire NFL offseason. It's our first topic this week. I love hearing from all of you all. You know what I mean? Anyone who listens to the show, whether it was once or every episode up until the 19th one that you're listening to now. Anytime you guys, you know, have any thoughts about, you know, things you like, what you don't like, things you want to hear my opinion on, I love it. And over the, like, the last month or so, the majority of the things I've heard from you all is, Armand, why aren't you talking about Kaepernick? Armand, what's your thoughts on Cap? You know, and I haven't really jumped into that topic too much for a few reasons. Number one, it's kind of like, you know, when you're arguing with your girl, you know what I'm saying? Or, you know, whomever you may be with, we don't discriminate here at the quarterly report. We got love all y'all, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, you're arguing with your girl and, you know, you're saying your point and she's saying hers and it kind of goes back and forth, back and forth. And at some point you just stop saying different stuff. You know what I mean? Like you said everything you wanted to say. She said everything she wants to say. And now you're just kind of talking just to hear yourself speak because everyone has already said their points already. That's kind of how I feel with Kaepernick. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like it's been talked about so much everywhere that everybody kind of already understands the point. And if you're any, if you have, if you're honest with yourself and got even the smallest bit of integrity, you kind of understand what's going on here. You know what I'm saying? You don't necessarily have to like how he protests. Um, I obviously have no, no problem with it. I thought it was dope, but even if you did have a problem with it, I think we could all understand that some of these guys who at least have camp invites are like Colin Kaepernick is one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the world. You know, he should be a starter. If it's, if it's a meritocracy, which everyone loves to say the NFL and professional sports are, then he should have a job. You know what I mean? I I think we all can agree on that. There is no doubt that he's better than he should be a backup. And now that, you know, camps have three quarterbacks, you know what I mean? He should absolutely, there's no, there's no doubt. And we all know why, right? So part of the reason I haven't talked about it is because, you know, I think, you know, we all have an idea what's going on. And number two, you know, I've talked about it on my guy's show, Travis Thomas, a friend of the show, went on his show a few weeks ago. We talked about it. And, you know, I just feel like, you know, what I want to do different stuff. I don't want to do what everyone else is doing. And there hasn't really been any new information, anything new to kind of further the story. And that all changed last week. You know, it's weird. Having a show that comes out on Thursday is funny because I put out a show and then like on Friday, something else happens. And without fail, last Friday, Ryan Tannehill, the quarterback, the starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, injures his knee and instantly, anytime now, that a quarterback gets hurt, it's going to be, okay, well, Kaepernick, what about Kaepernick? And I couldn't bite my tongue anymore because this week is just this weekend, really. It's just been so much. And I feel 
again, like I told you guys a few times before, one of the main reasons why I started the podcast is because I felt like there were so many people who have a platform, whether it's television or on the radio, and they don't, it's like, it has to be purposeful, right? Because there's so many things that they just don't say. And for me, and whether it's my cousin or my partners or anybody, you listening, it's like obvious stuff that they just always leave out. And it's so basic. And man, I was really feeling some type of way this weekend, not because of Kaepernick, not because of the Dolphins, but because of just the lies that they just keep on trotting out there and no one checks them. No one. So let's break it down. Like I said, I was on my man, Travis Thomas. Shout out to Trav. Um, follow him at the Travis Thomas Experience on all your social media platforms. But, you know, I was on his show a few weeks ago before the Tannehill situation started. And I was speaking. It was funny because I spoke about the Dolphins specifically, but I was doing it in the hypothetical. I was saying I would understand if the Dolphins didn't want to sign Colin Kaepernick. If something were to happen to Ryan Tannehill, again, this was weeks ago. So before anything happened to him, I was saying I would understand why the Dolphins wouldn't want Kaepernick to come because, you know, he wore the shirt with Malcolm X and Fidel Castro. And Miami has such a large Cuban population. I want to say it's 35%, right? Actually, I'm certain it's 35% because all these sports uh, analysts and personalities told me this over this weekend. And put a pin in that. We're going to talk about that in a second. But I was saying, you know, I would understand why the Dolphins wouldn't be interested because, you know, you got you to gotta keep in mind about your community. You know, and Miami's community is so different than any other NFL city. So I will understand if they feel strongly about Kaepernick, which they clearly do, that you wouldn't you wouldn't bring him in. I get that. Right. Say it. Say that. You know what? For our community, this probably wouldn't be a good idea. Don't don't lie about, you know, his play or, you know, you're you're, you're curious about his desire or any of that foolishness. Just be honest. And I think reasonable people, even if you're the biggest Colin Kaepernick supporter, you would understand. So I made that point before Tannehill, weeks before Tannehill got hurt. And then the funny thing happened. Tannehill gets hurt. And then all the, you know, the Will Canes, the Britt McHenry's, and I'm not saying names to, you know, try to start some type of Twitter beef with them. I'm just giving you people specific examples, right? Danny Cannell. All these people started saying, oh, well, once Tannehill got down, everybody jumped to Colin Kaepernick. And Kane, McHenry, Cannell, all these people started jumping out there and say, oh, well, you know, you got to be, you got to remember there's a lot of Cubans in Miami. I don't know how this will work. It's probably not a good idea. He really upset a lot of Cubans in Miami. And I agree with that, right? I've already been on record weeks ago saying that I agree, but... The question popped into my mind, and I, and I tweeted about this. When did the NFL start caring about their fans? When it comes to building a roster, when did the NFL start caring about their fans, especially when it comes to demographics in the population, right? Because we're not that far removed from Philadelphia, the Eagles, and the Riley Cooper situation, Right? So if Will Kane and Britt McHenry and Danny Cannell and Clay Travis are all talking about, hey, you can't sign Kaepernick in Miami, there are a lot of Cubans there. They'll be upset. Do you think that they were saying that, what, five years ago when Raleigh Cooper made his infamous video, I want to say at a Kenny Chesney concert? Now, for those of you who aren't familiar, Raleigh Cooper is a wide receiver uh, of no real you know, he hasn't really done anything. No real acclaim as a professional. And a few years ago, at a concert, I want to say it was a country music concert, Kenny Chesney, he got caught on like a phone camera saying that he fight or he kick every ass in the concert. Like, clear as day. Got pumped out, put out there. Everybody saw it. Where, do you think that those people that I named, the people who are so concerned about the Cuban population in Miami, do you honestly think that they were concerned about the 47% of black people who make up Philadelphia? You know, so the idea that the NFL would care so much about their fans in Miami, that goes against everything that we have seen from the NFL 
throughout their history and especially the recent history. And this is what bothered me. No one ever mentioned this. So all the people, it was like it was a talking point. Like they got an email saying, hey, guys, this is what you guys have to talk on. There's 35% Cuban population in Miami. So it wouldn't make sense for the Dolphins to sign Kaepernick because he had Fidel Castro in one of his shirts. So if it makes sense not to sign Colin Kaepernick in Miami because it will upset a significant part of that community in Miami, which, by the way, I agree. Wouldn't it have made sense for the Eagles? So this is the thing. The Eagles, not only did they not cut Riley Cooper, not only did they not publicize his punishment, if there was a punishment at all, they then re-signed him a year later. Think about that. So the so on one hand, you're saying, oh, you can't sign Kaepernick in Miami because he'll upset Cubans. But no one cared about the, the 47% of Philadelphia who is black. Almost half that city is black. No one ever cared about the fans when they, they, they re-signed a guy who threatened to fight every black person he saw. It's not adding up. That's when you know the jig is going down. And no one mentions this. No one. And let's keep let's keep the demographics because again, they brought up the demographics. You know, the Will Canes, the Danny Canales, the Britt McHenry's, the Clay Travis's. They brought up the demographics. So, okay, if let's keep with the demographics, right? 35% of Cubans or of Miami is of Cuban descent. You know, and and you know, Jay Cutler ended up getting signed. And I thought that was fine. I didn't mind Jay Cutler. It's not like Jay Cutler is you know, Blake Bortles has a job. Jay Cutler is better than Blake Bortles, right? Um, you know, Ryan Mallett has a job. Ryan Fitzpatrick, all these guys who have an EJ manual has a job. All these guys have a job before Colin Kaepernick, when Colin Kaepernick is clearly better. If you want to say that Jay Cutler is better than Colin Kaepernick, I mean, okay, I don't, whatever, that's fine. And there's the connection with Adam Gase, the head coach of the Dolphins, right? Jay Kettler had his best season with Gase in Chicago, so it makes sense. There's a connection there. But you can't forget that there's a connection in Baltimore on two levels, right? So, again, let's go back to the 35% of Cuban populations in Miami, right? So if we were to assume that that 35% will feel a negative way about Colin Kaepernick because of the shirt he had with Fidel Castro, and, again, I'm not objecting to that. I, I would agree with that. What about the 67% of black people who make up Baltimore? Let me say that again. Baltimore is 67% black, almost 70%. So if we're going to believe that the 35% of Miami who is represented by Cuban heritage wouldn't like Kaepernick, don't we then have to make the same uh, assumption that the 67% of Baltimore who is black would like Kaepernick? You know what I mean? The idea that only people who the only people who care about this are people who dislike Kaepernick is untrue. It's completely untrue. Colin Kaepernick has one of the top forty jerseys, the sales, right? They came they released the sales of, you know, the top jerseys. Kaepernick is the only per player in the top forty, right, of jersey sales who does not have a team, who's not on a team. And think about this. The only Colin Kaepernick jersey you can buy is a jersey for a team that he just left. So imagine when he signs to a new team, the jersey sales are obviously going to jump into the top 10, if not the top five. Think about how, when was, how many people do you think are buying Washington Deshaun Jackson jerseys? Or how many people do you think are buying um, New England Martellus Bennett jerseys now? No one is buying jerseys from a guy who just left the team, except for Colin Kaepernick. So once he does sign to another team, if he does sign to a new team, of course he's going to have one of the top jersey sales. But they don't ever talk about that. He's one of the most popular players, but they don't talk about it. Again, remember last week when I said, when smart people say dumb things, it's because there's an agenda. You're seeing it on full display with this Colin Kaepernick thing. But let's go back to the Ravens, okay? We, are, we just talked about the demographics, right? So if you believe that it's wrong for Cap to sign in Miami because of the large Cuban population, well, the large black population in Baltimore seems to be a perfect fit. 
If you believe that Jay Cutler signing in Miami is a perfect fit because of his relationship, his past success with Adam Gase, well, let's look at Colin Kaepernick's past success with some of the people in the in the Ravens um, organization. Okay, Greg Roman was as a as a offensive head coach in Baltimore. Greg Roman is the same guy who had great success with Cap in San Francisco, and the coach, the guy who coached Colin Kaepernick to a Super Bowl, the guy who coached Colin Kaepernick to an NFC Championship game the next year, the guy who coached Colin Kaepernick who beat Green Bay two times in the playoffs in, what, three seasons or two seasons? The guy who coached Colin Kaepernick in all those successful years in San Francisco is the brother of the head coach in Baltimore. So you talk about, so if the connections work for Cutler in Miami, the connections, which are even stronger because there's connections to two people in Baltimore. Doesn't that then make sense? Again, the consistency or lack thereof when it comes to Colin Kaepernick is infuriating and no one mentions it. No one. And I had to stop. I couldn't bite my tongue any longer because it was so upsetting. Look again. And let me recap this because there's a lot of things that I just threw at you in a relative short amount of time. I don't think if, if the Dolphins came out and said, you know what, we weren't, we're not going to sign Colin Kaepernick because he upset too many people in our community. I agree. That's fine. That's a perfectly fine stance to take. If they said, you know what, we went with um, Jay Cutler because we've had success with Jay Cutler. We have a history with Jay Cutler. That is fine. I absolutely agree. But when did the NFL start caring about their fans when it comes to social issues? Because we're not that far removed from Philadelphia re-signing Riley Cooper after he threatened black people. Philadelphia is almost half black. You know, if we care about demographics, the vast majority of Baltimore is black. And Baltimore, remember, we are a year Literally a year removed from the Department of Justice writing, releasing a scathing report about the Baltimore Police Department. Hell, the last month we saw two different examples of Baltimore police. I'll say allegedly just because we're in that kind of phase, but we saw plant evidence on someone that they arrested. This is what Colin Kaepernick specifically was protesting. So if any city would be behind Colin Kaepernick. It would be the city that the DOJ said the, their police department routinely violated civil rights. It would be the city who's in the last month saw two different police depart, police officers plant evidence. It would be the city that is 67% black. It would be the city whose head coach is brother to the coach who had, who had, who coached Colin Kaepernick in his greatest success. It would be the team who also employs Cap's former offensive coordinator who had great success. Where's the consistency? If you think there's consistency, hit me up on Twitter at quarterly show at Q U A R T E R L E E show. We also now have a Gmail account. So any feedback, any questions, if you disagree with me or you really do agree with me, Email us. Let us know. We're at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Again, that's quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E, report at gmail.com. The Kaepernick situation's got everybody bugging. I'm looking at all of this being like, y'all talking about Tebow? Y'all talking about Tebow over Cap? Kyle Orton? Like, no matter what you think of Colin Kaepernick, we should all be able to say, okay, hold on, man. Even if you disagree with what Cap did or how he did it, you know good and damn well he deserves a job more than Tim Tebow, EJ Manuel, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Stop it. I'm going to stop talking about Cap now, man. You know, it's too much. It's a lot. But I had to, I had to get that off my chest because it was just festering inside. And my cousin hit me up this weekend. And I was like, man, I, I got to talk about it now. But we're done with Kaepernick. We're done with football for this, or, mm, kind of for the first quarter at least. We're going to move on to our second topic this week, the huge fight this past weekend with Vasily Lomachenko.
Second quarter. This past Saturday, Vasily Lomachenko was on ESPN for the world to see. And um, I'm not going to attack ESPN's broadcast this week, even though it wasn't really good. It was better, but it wasn't great. But I'm going to focus more so on Lomachenko and just how dominant. He, he fought Miguel Mariaga. He shouldn't have been in the ring with this guy. Mariaga is nowhere near the fighter or boxer that Lomachenko is. Lomachenko, no matter what you want to say about him, he's one of the best fighters in the world. I mean, obviously. And it was on full display Saturday night. You know, the guy is so aggressive. The guy is smart. He's slick. Um, both hands, he's really strong at. He didn't work the body on Mariaga, so that was a little bit work. I wouldn't say concerning or worrisome because he didn't have to, but it wasn't like he was a one Saturday night, but he didn't need to be. I mean, he's, he's literally like a robot in the ring, He cuts the ring off, but it got me thinking because it was obvious, obvious that Lomachenko was just head and shoulders, a better fighter, a different class of a fighter than Mariaka was. He didn't deserve, they shouldn't have been fighting. And as you guys know, man, I, I don't watch the UFC. I respect the discipline. I respect the sport. I know a lot of guys who do follow it and love it. I even know a few guys who train at it. Um, but, you know, it's just not for me. But one of the things that I love about the UFC is that they get the fights right. Say what you want. Like, they don't pay their fighters. And you may not like the action in the ring. But they put the fights that the fans want to see. And this is the second time that uh, ESPN has broadcast a major top-ranked fighter, you know, a major, you know, prize fighter. A few weeks back, it was Manny Pacquiao versus Jeff Horn. Jeff Horn did not deserve a title shot. Um, Manny Pacquiao is not the same fighter he once was, but Manny Pacquiao had a belt. He had belts. He should have fought topper or, or tougher, higher-quality fighters. Uh, and he didn't, and he lost the fight, lost his belts, it's going to set up a rematch that no one cares about, but it was a fight that shouldn't have happened. Saturday, uh, Lomachenko, and Lomachenko's in a weight where he can move either up or he can move down. There are plenty of fights for Loma that are great fights, but when you're one of the best fighters, you can't, you can't take a step back and fight somebody like that. He didn't deserve to be there, and that's the problem with boxing. Of all the things that people talk about with boxing, and I, and I think you know, the, the quote-unquote demise of boxing is greatly overstated. You know, if you, there's been several studies. The viewership for boxing is consistently better than the UFC, despite the fact that the UFC has so much more uh, um, vocal resources. You know, you hear about the UFC so much more than you do boxing. There's more quote-unquote UFC experts than boxing. But boxing consistently, and this is for years now, the pay-per-views do better. The ratings on television are better. They just draw more viewers, and that's that's not a, that's not can't, it can't be disputed. Um, the fighters are exciting. They've got a, a, a wealth of young fighters, talented fighters. The divisions are really healthy. But the one problem boxing has is that oftentimes the best fights can't get made. And as a lover of the sport, it's beyond frustrating. You know what I mean? And that's the one thing that UFC, as someone who doesn't watch the sport, who's not a, a fan, I appreciate so much because Dana White, say what you will about him. And again, he doesn't pay his fighters, but you know what? He gives the fans a show. And I guess you could say his obligation isn't to the fighters, but it's to the fans. It's for the product. So Lomachenko's fighting a guy who he shouldn't be in the ring with. All the while, Guillermo Rigondeau, the, the one guy who... Anybody, anybody would say would be the biggest test for Lomachenko. And I don't even think that Lomachenko would lose necessarily. I just think it would be the best fight. It would be the best fight, two of the best fighters in the world. But that fight is probably never going to happen only because of politics. You know, Rigondeau, Bob Arum is the promoter of Lomachenko. If you're not a boxing fan, Bob Arum, he was Floyd Mayweather's uh, promoter way back when he was Pretty Boy Floyd, before Floyd left him and became, you know, the highest paid fighter in the world. You know, Floyd learned, learned through mistakes with Aram how to kind of be a better businessman. And Bob Aram is still, despite the fact that he didn't have Floyd, he, he has a, 
a pool of great fighters. Lomachenko is one. In a few weeks, you'll see Terrence Bud Crawford. He's one of the best fighters in the world as well. But a few years back, probably about six, seven, I don't know, time goes by fast now. About seven years ago, Nonito Donaire was one of the best fighters in the world. It was Floyd, Andre, and then Pacquiao or Donaire. Like one of those three. And, and Andre may not have even been fighting at that point. So it could have just been Floyd, Pacquiao, and Donaire as the three best fighters pound for pound in the world. Like Nonito Donaire was a problem until he ran across Guillermo Rigonal. And Rigo beat Donaire, and Donaire hasn't been the same fighter ever since. And I think Aram, that still bothers Aram because Donaire was a money making. He was a, a light, he was just a, a monster, ferocious fighter. And his career completely got derailed after that loss to Rigo. And now Rigo is calling out Lomachenko. And I feel like, I don't think Lomachenko is scared of ringing out, but I think Aram is scared of putting those two guys in the ring against each other because Lomachenko is, I mean, he's a moneymaker. I mean, and if you saw the fight or if you just saw the highlights, you could just tell. Even though he was clearly outclassing Mariaga, he fights in a style that's really fun. He's a showman. He, he's aggressive. I mean, he just stays on top of you. He always throws punches, whether it's to hurt you or not. And Aram understands, like, okay, this guy, he's a special fighter. I can't risk him. Right? But there's no one in boxing to be like, no, these two are the best fighters. You guys have to get in the ring. So the likelihood is Riganow and Lomachenko, despite that they're two of the best 10 fighters in the world, and the fight makes so much sense, they're not going to fight. They're not going to fight. And that's the most frustrating thing as a boxing fan. You know what I mean? And it's not just with Rigonel for Lomachenko. Lomachenko could move up or stay still. Mikey Garcia. Mikey Garcia fought last weekend. We talked about it a little bit. He beat Adrian Broner in an amazing display for Mikey. But right after the fight, Mikey was like, you know what? My next fight is going to be on Showtime. So that almost automatically, you know, ends any hope for a Garcia Lomachenko fight. Two guys who are really, really great fighters. Now, I think Lomachenko runs right through Mikey. And Mikey's a great fighter, but I don't think he's on the level of Lomachenko. But it's a fight that out damn world, I would much rather see that fight than Mariaga fight him. Where it's a legit contender, a legit prospect, a legit fighter going up against Lomachenko. But we won't see it because of politics. Mikey Garcia is a Showtime fighter. Bob Arum has deals with HBO and ESPN. Bob Arum is not going to have his either number one or number two fighter fight on that on Showtime's network. It just won't happen unless the money is right. And because Lomachenko is not that caliber of a fighter just yet, it won't happen. So it doesn't hurt Lomachenko. He's fine. It doesn't hurt Mikey Garcia because he has options too. But the only person it hurt, it doesn't even hurt the sport of boxing because you got guys like me and so many other people who there's just so many great fighters and the welterweight division is one division where you see the best fights. So the sport will be okay. The only person it hurts, the only people it hurts are us, the fans, because these are the fights that we want to see, but we know deep down we will never get them. Or if we do get them, it'll be when they're past their primes, a la Floyd Pacquiao. And it's frustrating. It's the one, I don't get more, that's the thing, whether it's star players leaving to join other star players and make these super teams in the basketball or the, the silliness that we just talked about when it comes to the NFL with Kaepernick or CTE last week. All those things frustrate me, but none of them frustrate me more than what's going on in boxing. So despite the fact that I love the sport, despite the fact that it's my second favorite sport and I enjoy it a great deal, man, it just pisses me off something serious. And when I look across the street and see what's going on with the UFC, I can't do anything but tip my cap to him. You know what I'm saying? Because Dana White, say what you will about him, but he puts the fights that the fans want to see. And as a fan, what's better than that? Hopefully you guys don't think much is better than this show, The Quarterly Report. Thank you so much for listening. Again, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Armon, A-R-M-O-N underscore Lee, L-E-E. 
Also, follow the show. We're at Quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show. All right, y'all heard the horn, so you know what that means. Halftime is on the way. But before we get to halftime, we're going to do something a little bit different. Like I said last week, you know, thanks to you all. I mean, really appreciate it. You know, we're getting a lot more listeners, so I really appreciate it. I want to do something to make things more easy and convenient and interactive for all you listeners. I really, really appreciate it. So from time to time, I'm going to do a thing right before halftime called stoppage time. You know, for all you soccer lovers out there, we're going to go a little bit over before halftime. I'm not going to do full quarters, but I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to ask me a question and I will respond at this moment. Again, this is called stoppage time. In order to get your questions, you got a wide variety of ways to contact me. You can email the show quarterlyreport at gmail.com. You can go on the iTunes, rate and review, and leave a comment. I routinely scan those. So if you want to leave me some comments, questions about the show, or a topic that you want to hear, hit me there. And you can always tweet at me. You can tweet at the show, quarterly show. That's Q U A R T E R L E E show. Or my personal Twitter account, Armon, A R M O N underscore Lee. Again, all those ways you can contact me and I will answer your questions in this segment that I like to call stoppage time. Question this week I have, and this one came from my cousin actually. Uh, he let me know, he showed me one of his partners. He had a question. This is from Anthony from DC. He asked me, why don't I talk about the big three league? You know, I need to give that league some shine, especially during the dog days of summer. Uh, so Anthony, thank you for listening, man. I really appreciate it. Um, I watched the big three league from time to time. I was really, really geeked up about it when it first started. Uh, I like the whole concept of the giant. I like the four point play or the four pointer or whatever. You know, the one thing about the big three league that kind of surprised me is that man, like all these dudes or well, most of them played in the league at a high level and you watch them now. And some of them, you know, Oh, not all of these dudes are real old, but some of them are. And he was just like, man, like what happened to y'all? You know what I'm saying? Like these are guys that would like finish over like some of the best players of all time through contact. And now they're missing lay-ins. Like they're missing wide 15 footers. They all tired, huffing and puffing. And man, basketball is a young man's game. Believe me, I understand. And these dudes are still playing competitive ball against guys who played at the highest level. But the thing about the big three lead that, surprised me the most is just how quick some of these guys fell off and that what my move abdul raouf yo that dude is a problem he still gets busy and he's older than all these dudes almost you know what i'm saying so those are the two takeaways i had with the big three um hopefully they can build on it for next season there was some you know some little rough patches to start the season some of the play isn't the best but it's fun you know what i'm saying I like the four-pointer and I like some of the fun style. The playoffs are coming up soon. So, you know, that's a, those are my thoughts on the big three. Anthony, I appreciate the question. Remember, you guys, whenever I have a bunch of questions, I'm going to do this segment called Stoppage Time. So give me your requests, your questions, things I can't necessarily always get to. And I will answer your questions in this segment from a week-to-week basis. All right, man. So Stoppage Time is over. About to get into halftime. Halftime this week actually comes courtesy to ESPN personality, Frank Isola. Uh, this week he tweeted, he was like, and he tweeted this in jest. He was like, I'm paraphrasing now. Since Jay Cutler has the Dolphins job, Colin Kaepernick should take Cutler's, you know, Fox color analyst job. And I know he was joking when he said it, but it got me thinking. I'd be like, man, if anything, if these, the people who don't like Colin Kaepernick, if they think just him sitting or kneeling in protest, upsets them can you imagine if colin kaepernick was actually calling games whether it was an analyst or a sideline reporter that joint would be hilarious and luckily my imagination kind of ran with it and here's kind of what i think it would sound like take a listen Welcome to Lambeau Field as NFL kickoff weekend continues with a great matchup between the Seattle Seahawks and the Green Bay Packers. Hi, I'm Joe Buck with Hall of Famer Troy Aikman and introducing our newest member, 
Sideline reporter Colin Kaepernick. How's the field conditions, Cap? Thanks, Joe. As you'd expect, it's a crisp evening in Green Bay, and the field conditions are great, meaning the defenses will have no excuse if they aren't harassing Rodgers and Wilson all night long. And speaking of harassment, did you know that blacks and Native Americans are stopped and arrested at a higher rate than their white counterparts? Doesn't seem fair at all to me. What about you, Joe and Troy? What do you guys uh, think? Uh, um, you know what? We'll be we'll be back right after this. What in Sam hell was that? Becky Lynn, did you see what was on our TV screen? Colin Kaepernick and Black Lives Matter are taking over my Sundays too? Christ almighty, our forefathers didn't fight and die so he and his afro could protest all the damn time. Actually, honey, yes, they did. Damn it, Becky Lynn. Don't buy into the mainstream media and fake news. When the national anthem plays, you got to stand up and salute. This is America, damn it. What does he think this is, Hawaii or something? Thanks, Obama. Uh, honey, Hawaii is actually part of America. Hell, Becky Lynn, I'm not going to tell you again. I'll have to turn it over to CBS, damn it. All right, go get Junior. Junior, it's time to show you what a real man and a real quarterback looks like. You see number seven right there? That's a real American role model. Paul, I, ca I can't read the name. What does it say? Oh, son, it's a lot of letters. Don't worry. That reads Roethlisberger. <laughs> all right, y'all, man, I promise. I'm, I'm all capped out, right? <laughs> I'm over the salary cap. You know, no more cap takes. But I, I do want to get this last point across because, you know, I talked about the inconsistencies when it comes to Colin Kaepernick earlier. But there's this one thing that I didn't touch on that bothers me more so than any of the other issues that I spoke of. Right. Before we get to the third quarter, I just want to get this off my chest. You, you hear all the time, like, oh, man, it's too many distractions when it comes to Colin Kaepernick. Oh, it's too much of a circus is what they say. So how is it that cap silent protest is a distraction but men beating on women men raping women right men sometimes killing other men other people that's not a distraction like how how is it that these owners are so scared right of our of the fans us us as fans our backlash to cap but they seem to have no issue drafting a Joe Mixon. And it's not just, you know, look at it's not the Bengals. Look at all the teams. Other than the Patriots, I want to say there's someone who has a domestic violence issue on their hands. And the Patriots, they sound what they had Michael Michael Floyd last year after he had like multiple DUIs. But that's not a distraction. I'm in DC, Junior Gallette. That's not a distraction. The Cowboys, they had Greg Hardy. That's not a distraction, but Colin Kaepernick is. Come on, man. Like, why would why would someone be more outraged at Kaepernick than they would be at a man beating a woman? See, the one or two things, right? Either you don't really care that much about black people, or you don't care that much about women. And the sad truth is, as a society, as a football consuming public, it, we probably it's a little bit of both, right? Because you wouldn't be so scared of Kaepernick and throwing out circus and distractions, but say nothing when the guy beats a woman. It just makes no sense. All right, man, but I'm capped out. I promise you. No more cap takes from me. No more. I'm done. All right, guys, that was halftime. I hope you guys enjoyed it. But we got two quarters to go. All right, guys, so doing things a bit differently this week. You know, we usually have a guest. However, this week, the guest, you know, ran into a family emergency. So, you know, shout out to them. They were unable, you know, to be on the show. So I'm going to give you another topic of something that I've been thinking about sports related. And this week, it has everything to do with the basketball court. So let's get it going with our third topic this week. Third quarter. As you all know, and if you're new to the show, this is your first week listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate you. But, you know, as the rest of you all know, I'm from Richmond, Virginia, and currently live right outside Washington, D.C., you know, town Largo, Maryland, you know, shout out to Largo. <laughs> um, but I was at the shop, you know, barbershop last weekend. And before, you know, some of y'all snicker hit me with the, you know, the, the Tommy jokes for Martin. 
Uh, yes, I'm bald, but when I went to the barbershop, it's getting the beard sh shaped up, you know what I mean? So all y'all little fake-ass comedians out there, y'all can go ahead with that. But I'm at the barbershop, you know what I'm saying? Getting getting right. You know, it was a nice weekend this past weekend, so I'm getting clean. And, you know, if you've ever been to a black barbershop, you know, anything is liable to go down. Any conversation, almost anything. It's, it's really one of my favorite places in the entire world to be, right? So out of nowhere, just completely random, which almost every conversation starts off just random at a barbershop. Uh, the guy next to me, he starts talking about how, you know, Gilbert Arenas was is better than John Wall, right? And then the whole shop gets into this big debate over who is the best wizard of all time. Now, let me make sure I, I'm very specific and I clarify this. The Wizards franchise, like since the name change, like when the team went from the Bullets to the Wizards, the Wizards really haven't had much to celebrate. You know, there's no shade. Again, I'm, I'm a Knicks fan. You know what I'm saying? And the Wizards have been a better team like the last 17 years than the Knicks have. So this is no shade being thrown. It's just real. So we are separating Bullets history, understanding that it's the same franchise, but just once the team was turned turned to the Wizards. So since the name change, who has been the best wizard of all time? And at this point, it's pretty clear. It's only a two-man race, I, I would say. I think we all would say, right? And that's John and Gilbert. So the whole shop gets into this big debate. And it got me thinking, like, these are the, you know, I could talk about Sam Rosen, you know, the UCLA quarterback who, who had some, you know, quotes to Bleacher Report this week. But everybody's talking about it. And I'm not really interested in that like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, a college kid has some, some you know, controversial quotes. You know, he's, he's a college kid. But this? Oh, man, this stuff... This had me going all day. Like, I only had a beard trim, but I was up in the shop for like an hour and a half. You know what I'm saying? Just going back and forth with like a, a shop full of guys. So even if you're not a Wizards fan, even if you're not from the D.C. area, shout out to, you know, my Cali, Utah, and Oregon listeners. I think this is a fun debate because, unfortunately for Gilbert, the way his tenure in D.C. ended and the way he has kind of, I don't know, delved into whatever, I don't even think you call it fame, infamy that he has now. It, it really has soured what, you know, real bright and really fun area he had in D.C. Like Gilbert Arenas was one of the 10 best players in the league, and that's being, you know, liberal, right? He had a two-and-a-half-year run where Gilbert was amazing, right? It was it was an event to watch the Wizards when Gilbert was at his peak. And I would even say it was an event to watch the Wizards more so back then than it is now, even with John and his dynamic play. So let's 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 put some stipulations, you know, in place when we talk about which one of these guys is the best wizard ever. Number one, you gotta factor in everything. So you got to factor in Gilbert with the guns. You got to. And you also have to factor in Gilbert with the knee. You know, because Gilbert, after Gerald Wallace crashed into his knee, he was never the same player. Never close, really. However, on the flip side, you also have to only consider what has, been ha what has happened. Right? You can't project with John. You know, John is, what, entering his eighth season. He's had seven really good seasons. The last three have been phenomenal. Um, he's been an all-star the last four, I want to say. But you can't project. You can't You can't say what you hope or what you think John will become. It's strictly what they've done as a wizard, right? Good and bad. And this got me thinking because once I got home and it was just a, a pure coincidence, I follow a guy, Kevin Broom. He's a really sharp guy. He, he writes for, or he's a contributor to Bullets Forever. And... You know, he was, and he's an analytical guy, and he was saying how Gilbert was really the first version of James Harden. And the, the sad thing about what Gilbert has become is that you don't remember just how fun he was. I mean, Gilbert Arenas, 
take all the stupid stuff aside, and I know it's hard, right? Because that's all. When you think of Gilbert Arenas, you only think of guns, like guns in the locker room. That's what you think of. And then all the dumb stuff he does now on social media. But if you were in D.C., and if you're a basketball fan, and I want to say I'm 34, right? So if you're anywhere between 50 to 29, like those years, that two and again, that two and a half year stretch was just so much fun. I mean, think about it now, right? Everybody gets a kick when Steph Curry shoots a shot and then turns away and celebrates before he goes in. Gil was doing that 10 years ago. And Gilbert was doing that on game winning shots. Like, think about that. The stuff, and I'm not saying Gilbert was as nice as Steph. I'm not saying that. But some of the, like, you know, the thing about the NBA, beyond the sport of basketball, one of the things about the, the game, the, the NBA itself that I love, it is that it allows their athletes to have charisma. You know what I mean? Where baseball, they try to take it away. They try to, like, wring all the charisma out of their athletes. Where basketball is like, go, be a star. Entertain. You know what I mean? They welcome it. And Gilbert was a showman. Make no mistake. I mean, I remember the night. I remember, I'm logging the game. Uh, and logging, for those of you who don't know, is like typing and like time coding every single play, everything that happens in a basketball game at the job I had at the time. And I remember Gilbert going off on Kobe. On Kobe Bryant. And this is like prime Kobe Bryant. And Kobe Bryant got so mad that he was... He was complaining about Gilbert Arenas' lack of quality shots that he was taking. Think about that for a second. Kobe Bryant, of all the players, is complaining about a player taking bad shots. So what did Gilbert do? Gilbert then started shooting shots and saying quality shot after each one. And it was going in, and he was killing Kobe in L.A. And then dropped like 60 in Phoenix. Steve Nash's, Mike D'Antoni's Phoenix Suns, like the next night. I mean, Gilbert was amazing. And it was so much fun. Watching that Wizards team was more fun than I think any Wizards team has been before or after. Including this version. John Wall, Bradley Bill version. It was just fun. I'm not saying that team was better. But it was just more fun. It was enjoyable. And then we were kind of robbed. You know what I mean? Because... Had Gerald Wallace not come crashing into Gilbert's knee, you know, Gilbert and LeBron, they were developing a budding rivalry. And obviously, looking back at it now, it's silly. You know what I mean? No matter how good Gilbert could have been, he wasn't going to be as good as LeBron. You know what I mean? I think we all, even the biggest Wizards fan, can agree to that. But it was fun, and it was a potential. And the Wizards were relevant. All that being said, I still think I have to go with John. I think John is a is the best wizard. And again, you have to factor in everything because I just went minutes gushing over the highlights of Gilbert Arenas. But again, that was a two and a half year stretch. What we don't, what I didn't talk about, is what happened after Gerald Wallace crashed into his knee. The rehab, you know what I mean. Where the team is telling him, take it easy. Don't put too much stress on your knee. Gilbert says, F that. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to bike around D.C. I'm going to have run with parachutes on my back to rehab to get back to the court sooner. And then he hurt his knee again. Like that, that plays a part. The fact that Gil only was able to get to the second round once. You know what I mean? Whereas John has been to the second round each time he's been to the playoffs. Three out of the last four years. Gil never went to a seven game in the second round. Obviously, he never made it to the or he only made it to the second round once. John just went to the seventh round, second, seventh game of the second round series to get the number one seeded Eastern Conference team. So I will say this Gilbert's peak was higher than John's peak. But John's level of consistency and the maturity. You know what I mean? And let's not make no mistake, like Gilbert is fantastic and he was dynamic and he was far more charismatic than John, but John gets busy. Let's not, let's not, you know, 
disrespect John right now. John is one of my five favorite players in the league. And one of the things I like about John the most off the court is that a lot of these guys, they, they give you BS, they give you, they talk in cliches. John will literally tell you how it feels, how he feels almost to a fault. Remember last, last year around this time, people thought that Bradley Bill and John Wall didn't get along, not because of hearsay, but because John Wall literally said, sometimes I don't like Bradley Bill. <laughs> that was his own words. And that type of honesty, that realness that John has, and it's not like pretend. You can tell that's who he is. John is as authentic as any NBA star that we have today just outside of Russell Westbrook. You know what I mean? And I love that about him. Plus, John has a quality that only a few players have. He has the ability to make players better. And that's something that you are just born with. You know what I mean? You can't, you can't make it up. LeBron has it. Kidd had it. Nash had it. Stockton had it. Everybody doesn't have that gift. And there are not many players in the league right now who have it. In fact, John may be, beside LeBron, John may be the only one. And that ability just to improve everybody is something to me as a basketball nerd, man, I love. So it's a tough choice. It's a real tough choice, especially if you're a Wizards fan. But if, you, if you're removed a bit, I think it's easier to say. And if, but, However, if you're removed a bit, I don't know if you, if you weren't in the area. And if I'm wrong, hit me up. Let me know. I'm at Quarterly Show on Twitter. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show. Let me know your thoughts. I'm going to put it up on a poll this Thursday when this uh, podcast is released. So let me know what you guys think. Who is the better wizard of all time? The best wizard of all time, excuse me, John Wall or Gilbert Arenas? Because if you were in the city or around the city during Gilbert's run, that was the best. That was the best run this team ever had up to now, even including now. But I still got to go with John just because of the consistency and his ability to make players better. But I could be wrong. So let me know what you guys think. Again, hit me up on Twitter at quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show, and email me your thoughts. Email me at thequarterlyreport at gmail.com. All right, guys, that was quarter number three. We're going to finish up strong with Sports Wingster right now. Fourth quarter. It's 50, a.k.a. Ferrari. All right, you all know this means we're going to end the show with Sports Wingster. And for those of you who are new to the show, who aren't familiar with what this segment means, we're playing off of a line from 50 Cent's old song, Wingster. It's the most memorable line probably 50 has ever had. And it's real simple because it doesn't even rhyme for real. But it goes, damn, homie. At high school, you was the man, homie. What the fuck happened to you? You don't have to be a former drug dealer to relate to that. You know what I'm saying? There have been times when you see someone, whether you went to high school or, you know, when they were in high school, and you see them years later, and you're like, damn, Slim, what happened? You know what I'm saying? That's something relatable that we all can understand. That's one of the reasons why, despite the fact that I'm not even really like a 50 fan like that, that line, that song stands the test of time because of that one line. But this week, we're going to do things a bit differently. We got two contestants. We got two award winners for the Sports Wingster of the week. And number one is actually a former athlete or current athlete, depending on how you look at it. I'm going to read you... People who were drafted in the year 2009 doesn't seem that long ago, but listen to these names. This draft class, at least off the top in the NBA, was one of the best classes at that point in some years, right? You had Blake Griffin, James Harden, Ty people forget Tyreek Evans won Rookie of the Year that year, but he's an afterthought now, but Tyreek was number four. Ricky Rubio was five. Steph Curry, two-time MVP, Steph Curry, number seven. DeMar DeRozan was number nine. And rounding out the top ten was Brandon Jennings. Brandon Jennings, the guy who had all this hype. Remember, he wanted to come out of uh, straight out of high school, but he couldn't because of the David Stern one-and-done rule, which probably was only a few years old at that point. So he went overseas. 
and he had all this hype. He had this, he signed this big Under Armour deal. And when he finally did get drafted, his first game, I want to say he, he was drafted by Milwaukee in his first game, I want to say was in Philadelphia, and he dropped 50 points. And he had all the hype. This is 2009. Flash, fast forward, excuse me, fast forward to today, 2007, and Brandon Jennings isn't in the NBA. He signed a deal in China. And I want to say he signed like a $2 million deal to play basketball in China. Brandon Jennings, the guy who had all the hype. He was with Tiana Taylor before Shump. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like he, when he came out, he was supposed to be that dude. Here we are, eight years later, not even in the NBA. And what makes it worse, again, I'm a Knicks fan. And then we cut him, the Knicks. <laughs> we were so bad last year. We cut somebody. Think about that. We were so bad that we have the audacity to cut somebody. And I remember when we signed Brandon Jennings, and part of it is because I don't like Derrick Rose. You know what I'm saying? But we needed a backup, and I thought, oh, man, Brandon Jennings is perfect. You know, he runs fast. He's, he's a guy who can create off the dribble. He'll be perfect. I'm still remembering him in Milwaukee, and even after that, before he tore up his knee, that one year he had in Detroit playing with Drummond, he, he played phenomenal. Well, I shouldn't say phenomenal, but he played well. So I'm expect, I'm expecting, okay, well, you know, he's recovered from his knee. He's two years removed. He should be able to get busy. This is a good pickup. Nope. We cut him. And then the team I watched second most, you know, the two teams I watched the most in the NBA this past year, the last really five years, the Wizards or the Knicks and the Wizards, right? So he left New York, went to Washington, and I'm thinking, okay, this is the perfect signing. This is the perfect guy to back up John. You can play him. You can give John some rest. Brandon should be able to get 8 to 15 minutes a game without any problem. And he'll be able to hold down the fort. He's fast. He's not nearly as fast as John, but he's fast. He can create. He can't shoot, but that's fine because he finishes. This will be the perfect backup, and it cost them nothing. They didn't even have to trade for him. I couldn't have been more wrong. You know what I mean? Watching the Wizards after they signed Brandon Jennings and when Jennings finally got touches, it was like eye open. It was like, yo, this guy can't play anymore. What happened? What the f happened to you? Literally, I'm watching the playoffs and John couldn't get two minutes, two minute breaks. He couldn't do it because as soon as he sat down, Brandon Jennings gets up and it was like, this is how I know confidence is real, man. You know, you can't quantify it. But when you are an athlete, or it doesn't even have to be an athlete. In anything that you do, once you lose your confidence, it is done. I don't know. I wish I was had like a, a psych degree. You know what I mean? Because there's some interesting things that go on when you think about that, right? Brandon Jennings literally could not dribble. He would dribble the ball off his foot. He's taking extra steps without even scoring. He couldn't make lands. It was crazy. It was like, yo, what happened to you? What happened to you? You weren't this bad in New York. So the first sport wasted, because he's not even in the league anymore. Think about this, Ty Lawson. And, you know, I'm not making a joke about alcoholism. That joint's real. I hope he's got himself better. He got himself together. But Ty Lawson very well may be playing in the NBA next season. With all the things he's been through, but Brandon Jennings is done. Think about that. So, Brand Jennings, you are the first sports wingster this week, but we're not done. Oh, no, 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 no. We are not done yet. And this one, this is the craziest one. And this isn't in the sports world at all, but y'all all going to feel me. Again, sports wingster, again, the idea is someone who used to be running things, someone who was A1, running the game at whatever they were doing. And now, years later, you see them, and, only, and the only thing you can say is, what the f*** happened to you? And golly, who who deserves that more than Usher? <laughs> A.K.A. Bumpy Johnson. Usher bumping up everybody out this joint like a bad shave. You know what I'm saying? Let me tell you something. When I was in high school, all the youngins, all of them was on this dude Usher. And at this point, I didn't even know who he was. And then the song came out, you know. You make me want to lead the one I'm with. You know what I'm saying? 
I'm in high school. I'm not even listening. You know what I'm saying? It's like, whatever, dude. Let me put on my Pete Troy. I'm not listening to Usher. But all the youngest were. And it was hard to ignore the fact that he was on. You know, no hate to him. Dude was doing his thing. I really wasn't rocking with it. I'm a, again, I'm a kid at this point. You know what I'm saying? But he was the guy. He was like the dude at that point. So I was like, okay. Fast forward to high school. I'm about to graduate high school, actually. Actually, I did graduate at this point. 8701 drops, right? He he had like uh, all the joints. He had the You Remind Me. He had, I forget the other one. And then it was like, you don't have to call. You know what I'm saying? He had, he killed the summer with that joint. I remember me and my sister used to drive to work. We were working at the same time, place at the time. And we would listen to the whole CD on our way to work. DC traffic is a monster. You know what I'm saying? Driving in the morning, it takes you a whole CD to get to where you needed to go. But it was cool because it was like, okay, this guy, just the same dude in high school, had all the youngest running. He was the number one R&B singer. Fast forward a few years later, he's still putting out good music. And at this point, I'm growing into a man. I can listen to it. I can relate to some of the songs he's singing. I'm like, yo, this was up. Like, us, okay, bet. Then he killed the game with Confessions, right? Everybody I know, you don't like Confessions. Man, Confessions was the joint. But Slim, Confessions came out when? Like 05, 06, something like that? What's happened to him since? The last song I remember from Usher is No Limit. Uh, I'm 34. Usher got to be at least like three, four years older than me. So he he coming up on 40. You grown man, grown ass man talking about No Limit. Come on, Slim, you got to grow up. You feel me? But that's not even the problem. Slim, for like the last three weeks, there have been all these people talking about how Usher gave him the bump. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Yo, it's like, yo, how wild? You must have been just wild. They got, they got the, first it was one youngin'. Then this other woman came out. I, I'm not going to shame anybody, but y'all seen her. And then there's a guy, there's a dude saying that Usher gave him the bump. I'm slim. I'm like, yo, what were you doing? Everybody who came across Usher must have just, just, you know what I'm saying? On sight. <laughs> you were the number one singing dude. For like, you had a run. You had like a 10-year run being like the number one guy. And then after Confessions, you singing songs, Oh My God, with Black Eyed Peas falling off. You know what I'm saying? Doing all this crazy, you know what I'm saying? Singing about No Limit, how your love is like No Limit. Come on, bro, you 40 years old. And now this, what's wrong with R&B singers, man? All of them. Like, what happened? What happened in our era that made R&B singers all lose their damn minds? Like, the only one who's normal is like Maxwell. He make one. He put one album out every 15 years. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Look at R. Kelly's crazy ass. You know what I'm saying? What's going on? Why is it? Why can't you just be regular singing? You know what I'm saying? Why can't singing dudes just be regular? We all know guys who maybe sang at church or whatever who can hold a tune, who's just regular. But whenever you get like on, you gotta lose your damn mind. You wanna be either too super hard, you wanna be a gangster. Anybody trying to hear you gangster singing about, you know what I'm saying? How your feelings is all, all crazy because you lost the love. Anybody trying to hear that? You know what I'm saying? Usher talking about his love like no limit. Eh, get the hell out of here. I'm going to try to hear you. Now, now we can reflect and look back. Hindsight 2020. You talking about let it burn. We get it now. That's not an analogy. You know what I'm saying? You got it bad. Yeah. On your lip. <laughs> so to this other day, this week, Usher, Brandon Jennings, both of y'all Bamas. Both of y'all, man, for two totally different reasons, are the sports wankster and singing wanksters of the week. Damn, homie. In high school, both y'all were the man, homie. What the f*** happened to y'all, man? And on that note, make sure, man, y'all watch who y'all kiss and lay down with. <laughs> and I'll see y'all next week for the quarterly report. Before we go, make sure... You follow me on Twitter. We're at Quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E -E -E Show. Also, email us any of your thoughts. You want to ask me a question to talk about a certain topic. You want to 
actually argue with something that I said this week, or you want to vote on the John Wall Gilbert Arenas, um, who's the best wizard, that topic that we talked about in quarter three, email us at thequarterlyreport at gmail.com. We're also on SoundCloud. If you want to hear the newest episodes, go to SoundCloud. So all you got to do is search the quarterly report. You see the icon. You can listen to the newest episodes and, and you can go to the show's website. The show has its own very own RSS feed. It's the quarterly report.lipson.com. Again, quarterly spelled Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E. All right, y'all. I had so much fun. Next week will be even bigger and better with the guest. I promise. I'll see you then on the quarterly report.